Today's lesson is um, hope in desperate times. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this message, for the Holy Ghost to minister life to each and every one of us. I pray that Jesus to be exalted in people's hearts and their minds. I just believe that, Lord, that we'll fall more in love with you for all your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. John 16, is our scripture. This is the Amplified Version. It says this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials, distress, and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. And I have conquered it for you. You know, if I would ask... Any of you today, I said, does God heal? You would respond, yes, he does. Does God prosper? You would say, yes, he does. Does God restore and heal marriages? And you would say, yes, he does. But then if I would come and talk one-on-one with you and say, do you believe that God heals you? Do you believe that God prospers you? Do you believe that God restores your marriage? I know um, it's probably about 15 years ago or so, you know, Melly and I were having uh, just not a good time in marriage. And uh, so <laughs> this one time, I, uh, this is terrible, I'm being transparent, but I got a, a notepad and, and I tore it off and Every day I would write down what Melody did wrong to me. After a fact, yeah, I was getting a list. <laughs> checking it twice. Seeing if she was naughty or nice. And uh, I wrote all these things down, folded it up nice and neat, stuffed it back in my wallet. The next day in the evening, pulled it out. There was stuff every day. I was writing down. I'm telling you what, the Lord convicted me so bad. Like, what are you doing? You know, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that God doesn't keep a list of our wrongs. Did you know there's not one book in heaven, there's not even on the mind of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that's a scripture you need to know by heart. He says that, you know, different translations say that he's uh, uh, not holding any of our trespasses, but I believe it's NLT. It says he's not even keeping a record of your wrongs, not keeping one record of your sins. And it's amazing that we do that with our friends, our loved ones, our people that we love. You may not be writing it down, but boy, is it engraved in your brain. Remember what you did. There's people who have been divorced, you know. They remember back in 1978. I remember what my ex was. Really? Really? Paul said this. He said, I make sure that I forget the past. And I reach forth towards what's in front of me. Being hopeful. Being a person that's full of hope. Hope is the belief that your future is going to be better than it is today. And that you have the power to make it so. 
It's a confident expectation that life is going to be better for you. A confident expectation that life is going to be better. That's what hope is. That's what hope is. And God wants you and I to be full of it. There's a lot of people full of stuff, but I'm telling you what, he wants you to be full of hope. Romans 8, 24 says, we were saved in this hope. We were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But I realize, man, there's been times in my past, and even during this COVID, you know, as far as being a pastor of a church, you know, our church was twice as big as it is right now. Twice. Back before COVID. And uh, Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There was a time that Jesus, somebody brought their, their child to Jesus, and, and he cast out the, the demon, and the kid was still acting up, and he was not totally, seemed like he was not totally delivered. And Jesus asked the dad, how long has this been? And he said, since he was a child. Why did he ask that? I believe for all of us, if you've been going through something for a very, very long time, now it just doesn't affect your body. It affects your heart and your mind. It becomes, so, let's say if you had a problem for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, all your life. Now, it's not just a matter of you receiving healing. You have to have your mind healed. Because now you think this is what life is. You've accepted that this is the way life is. You know, if you've had a a sore back for 25 years, you think, well, this is the way it's going to be until the day that I die. You've lost all hope for that to ever change. So today, I feel like God wants all of us to click that dial from hopelessness back to hope, to hope. He wants your, you to have hope. You say, man, I've been married for 50 years, and I bet you 49 of them have been hell on earth. So it's, now your mind is like, I don't think it can be any better. I've been sick for 50 years. I don't think, you know, now you have to get your mind healed that, yes, yes, it can be better. Yeah, but it's been so long. And some of you have been, man, I, I've just been living in, I mean, by the skin of my teeth, man. I mean, I've just barely got one nostril above water when it comes to finances. I just can't seem to get ahead financially. And it's been like that all of my life. It just seems like it's rough. And so you've lost all hope in having an abundance. I remember all of my life, I felt so blessed because I always had enough. I, I was, we have never, my wife and I have never been in a position that we couldn't pay our bills. 32 years of marriage. Ever since I was 16 years of age, when I started working, I have always been able to pay my car payment, which that was huge back when you're 16, and, uh, or pay, put gas in the tank, or no matter what was going on, I've always been provided for. And I felt like, man, that was truly blessed. And then I heard a message about, and I've heard it before, but I heard it with a different set of ears. 
that you can have an abundance and you, you really don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. And so in 2014, I heard that, and I thought, I am not going to accept living paycheck to paycheck anymore. And by the end of 24, that was August that I made that decision. My wife and I talked about it. And by the end of 2014, I was no longer living paycheck to paycheck. And it's been like that ever since 2014. But if you've always done that, that was 2014, so that was seven, seven and a half years ago. Well, no, it's right at seven, end of 21. So for seven years, it's been like that. But for 55 years of my life, it was just living paycheck to paycheck. And that's a great place to be as far as not getting your bills paid. And so if you feel like, well, at least my bills are getting paid. And, but if listen to me now. If you accept that, you'll live that life as long as you're on this earth. And to be honest with you, the majority of people on this planet, including people in the church, do exactly that. But today I want to put hope in your life when it comes to your health. I want to put hope in your life when it comes to prosperity. I want to put hope in your life when it comes to relationships. I want to put hope in your life concerning even your children. You think, dear Lord, you were doing great, Pastor, until you brought up kids. They're already grown and have a mind of their own. They pretty much had a mind of their own when they were 13, if you forgot that. But this is the thing. One encounter with God changes everything. One word from God changes everything. I remember me, man. I made my mother the greatest prayer warrior on the planet. You know, I, we, she used to go to this Baptist church, you know, and, and uh, people used to, they call her all the time to pray. You know, Sister Louise, would you pray? Would you pray for this? Would you pray? And so she was always praying for people and everything. And then years later, you know, she died in 1999, one month before Jared was born, February. Jared was born in March. She died in 99. And after that, people, you know, would talk about to me and everything. Your mother was such a prayer warrior. I'd say, you can thank me for that. I caused my mom to pray more than anything. I'd be coming home from work or uh, uh, late at night when I worked at McDonald's, and we, we would go shoot basketball in the summertime downtown Louisville, you know, which was not real smart. But um, I'd get home 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd see the, the light on at the house. I went, no, dear Lord. <laughs> but she would be praying for me, praying for me. I just know that there are so many Christians that have given up on certain things and they have accepted where they're at in life, whether it's healing, whether it's their finances, whether it's their relationships, whether it's just, you know, I'm going to get up tomorrow and we're going to do this all over again. Living beyond disappointment because disappointments are always rooted in our past experiences of, uh, of just... Things not turning out the way that we thought. You know, sometimes I look at me as a pastor and things have not, I, I, I did not think I would be at this point, at this time in my ministry. And if we're not careful, if we put that underneath the magnifying glass, you would just think, 
that this is all there is. This is what life is. And if I can say one thing, one of the greatest tools of the devil is this, that he wants to make sure to make sure that you don't have any hope of things being better for your future. Unrelenting disappointments just leaves your heart sick. That's what it says in Proverbs 13. Unrelenting. I mean, it's just like one after another, after another, after another, after month, after month, year after year. You just keep being disappointed, and you just finally just go, oh, well. Oh, well. I've given this illustration, but it's worth repeating. Uh, it was an article in a magazine. He wasn't even a pastor. He, I don't even know if he was a believer in God at all. But he was a surgeon, and he was the type of surgeon that uh, dealt very... Uh, not just taking out your appendix, it was like nerves, brain, and stuff like that that were, it was always very, very serious every time he did a surgery. And he noticed this after year after year after years of doing these surgeries. He would say that he would do almost the exact same operation over these a handful of people. And he started beginning to notice that the ones that, you know, before you have a surgery, you would have. The surgeon come in, he says, this is what's going to happen. I just want you to know. And listen, it's very, this is a very risky operation. Very dangerous. He, he would be very blunt. You know how surgeons can do and doctors can do. You know. You're probably going to die, but listen to me. I'm gonna, you know, not all of them. We have some great doctors, don't we? But anyway, there's some that are just, they're going to tell you all the facts and they're not going to just say, you know, trying to be positive or anything. But he started noticing something. He said the ones, the patients that were positive and the ones that had hope and the ones that really say, I've got something to live for, so you don't have to worry, doctor. I'm going to come out of this. I'm going to make it. You just do your best, and when the dust settles, I'm going to be fine. He said without fail, they would come through. But then there would be some of the patients that were the exact same scenario and they would say oh i don't think i'm gonna make it doctor i just don't know you know i just feel like i'm gonna i just feel like i need to call everybody I'm, I'm not. and he said without fail they didn't do as well there were complications something went wrong and so after years of observing this he said if there's one thing that i could prescribe he says i wish i could take a pill called hope and prescribe every single patient to take that he said I would have much greater success and there's a lot to that because God created mankind to be a people of hope that's what we're we are created to have to be containers of hope and it's easy to be beaten down especially man the last two years I'm telling you what but Melody got uh, this she found this article. If you were born in the year 1900, nobody in here. Is, I'm looking. No, okay, just checking. But if you were born in the year 1900, or a small amount of perspective at this moment, imagine if you were born in 1900 when you are 14, World War I starts. And ends on your 18th birthday with 22 million people killed. 
later in that year, a Spanish flu epidemic hits the planet and runs until you are 20 years of age. 50 million people die from it in those two years. 50 million. When you're 29, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. That's one in four people without a job. The global GDP, gross domestic product, drops to 27%. That runs until you're 33 years old. So you're talking four years doing that. The country nearly collapses along with the world economy. When you turn 39, World War II starts. You aren't even over the hill yet. When you're 41, the United States is fully pulled into World War II. Between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in the war, and the Holocaust alone kills 6 million Jews. At 52, the Korean War starts, and 5 million people perish. At 64, the Vietnam War begins, and it doesn't end for many years. 4 million people will die in that conflict. Approaching your 62nd birthday, you have the Cuban Missile Crisis, a tipping point in the Cold War. Life on our planet as we know it could well have ended. Great leaders prevented that from happening. As you turn 75, the Vietnam War finally ends. Think of everyone on the planet born in 1900. How do you survive all of that? A kid in 1985 didn't think their 85-year-old grandparent understood how hard school was. Yet those grandparents and now great-grandparents survive through everything listed above. Perspective is an amazing art. Getting the right perspective. Getting the right perspective. Romans 15, 13. This is a scripture we had last year. It says, I pray that God, the source of all hope. Let me stop right there. The source of not just some hope. All hope that can be had, God is the source of that. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, it is vitally important that you have a relationship with him. This is why we come to church. This is why we just want to listen. God himself said, even in the the Bible, he says, even more in the last days, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because he says there's going to be a lot of people who are hopeless, even Christians. But as believers, we should never be a people that are without hope because God is the source of all hope. He says, I pray the God of source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace, believing you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Passion Translation said, The inspiration, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with superabundance until you radiate with hope. Your soul needs to have a continual dose of hope. It needs a continual dose of hope, man. This is why we encourage you to pray to God and have a relationship with him, not just fill out a religious square. This is why we encourage you to read the Bible, not just say, okay, I read my Bible. Because, man, when you read the word of God, God wants to impart something to you. He wants to speak something specifically to you for that day. 
Psalms 42, 11 says, why are you cast down? This is David. He said, why are you depressed, David? He was talking to himself. Oh, my soul. And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. So what is the uh, prescription for depression or feeling down or having a bad day? Hope in God. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. The message translation says, fix your eyes on God. Fix your eyes on God because I'll be praising him again and again and again. So when you start thinking and looking to God, thinking about all that he's done for you and me, you know, so many times if you have a lot of things that you're believing God for, you want, maybe you want a bigger house. Maybe you want your kids to do like this. And maybe you want that. And maybe you want that. Have you ever stopped and think, what has God done for you? Man. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. It's a, it's a trustworthy anchor, you know. If you go out on a boat, uh, you know, when you put that anchor down into the, the ground and it grabs hold of the, of the soil down there, man, the waves can be up and tossing and that boat's just going every which way and it looks like, whoa, man. I don't like that feeling. That's why I would much, mother, much rather be in an aircraft. You have turbulence, but... You're not going to get thrown out of it. And I've almost been thrown out of a boat before and didn't like that feeling. But you know, no matter how rough the seas get, the boat's it's anchored. It's not going away. It's not going away. It's anchored. This is what hope does for you and me. This is what hope does for you and me. And this is why the enemy, this is why the news media, social media, everybody is trying to take this hope away from you and me. Why? Because if hope can be taken out of you and you become hopeless, then you don't think that you have a bright future. But Jeremiah 29, 11 God said this about the children of Israel where they, when they were in captivity in Babylon. This is not just like, oh, they're free and then their own nation. No, this is when they were in captivity. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Right there. Did you know God is thinking good thoughts about you right now and not only today, but when you wake up tomorrow, he's thinking good thoughts about you. And next week. He's thinking good thoughts about you. And 10 years from now, he's thinking good thoughts about you. Right in the middle of your sin, he's thinking good thoughts about you. I know that's a little twisted in your brain, but I'm telling you, when you sin, your biggest, fattest, ugliest sin, God says, that's my boy. I'm so proud of you. I love him. What a father you and I have. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. God will never think one bad thought of you. My goodness. We just don't comprehend that. That God never thinks one bad thought. For you. you know, I love my kids, but, you know, I have to admit, sometimes I think, dear Lord. 
But God's perfect. He never thinks one evil thought or one bad thought. He says not evil. But this is what I am thinking about you, to give you a future, to give you a future and a hope. They were in captivity. And God says, I know you're in captivity, but I just want you to know your future is bright. And I want you to know I'm giving you hope today. It's up to you and me whether or not we're going to receive that hope. But every single day of our life, there is hope deposited inside of us. You can have an umbrella over your soul where it runs out away from you. Or you can lift up your hands and say, thank you, God, for the hope that you give me. One last one. Psalms 27, 13. David said, what would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? He didn't say when he got to heaven, but he said in the land of the living. Wait and hope, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. Man, oh man. The Bible says this about Abraham, who hope against hope believed in God. What does that mean? He knew that, you know, when I look at my 100-year-old body, there is no way I can have a child. There is no way I can have a child. That's what hope just drained out of him. But this is what the Bible says. He got hope. How do you get hope in a hopeless situation? Listen to me. How do you get hope in a hopeless situation? It's uh, it's totally hopeless. There's no way in the natural for this to happen. How do you get hope in a hopeless situation? You got to do what David or what Abraham did. A hundred year old man and a ninety one year old wife whose womb was nothing but a dried up prune. How do you get hope in that kind of situation? Because naturally speaking, it's impossible. But this is what Abraham did. He believed upon the word that he spoke. To Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. That was what gave Abraham hope. So God said, look at the stars, Abraham. That's how many kids you're going to have. Look at the sand. If you do that at nighttime, every time he would go out at nighttime, he would see the stars. And hope would rise up within him. Day after day, God wanted to make sure that he got hope. He is the God of hope. So he looked at the stars and he kicked the sand. And every time he heard his name from Abram, it changed to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. Everything about Abraham's life, God was pouring hope into it. Whether it was nighttime, whether it was daytime, whether it was calling his name, no matter what, God was saying, Abraham, I'm giving you hope today. I'm giving you hope today, Abraham. It's the same with you and me. Every day of your life, hope is being poured into you. Read his word and believe. It's impossible to want to live a positive and a good life and keep living in your mind with a negativity that I don't believe anything good's going to happen to me. I tell you what, if there's anything that I fight more than anything, it's inside my two brain, my ears. Not my two brains. I've only got one. But I do have a left side and a right side, and I don't really totally understand about all of that. But that's where my biggest battle is because I get negative things coming to me. Oh, look at this. Oh, well, this is just, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. 
You have to fight that because if you constantly live in the negative realm, then all of a sudden you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. And eventually if that continues, you set yourself up for hopelessness. Hopelessness. God wants you to know don't ever get there. Don't let yourself go there. Because the God of all hope is inside of you. The God of all hope is inside of you. Oh. Let me just give you three things here to remember. I do know this. In the darkest point of my life, when I looked at God, he always... It was just maybe sometimes just a glimmer of like a candle, but it was the light in that dark time of my life. Anytime you look to God, hope will spring up like a candlelight. The three things, remember this, we were created to be a people of hope. God's hope will make a difference in your life no matter what's going on. And then number three, there is a way to cooperate with hope. And to activate it, hope is seeing something that you can't see, which is called imagination. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. But hope can be nurtured. It can even be restored with your imagination, with your mind, what you're thinking. But God wants you and I to start being a people of hope in 2022. A lot of you have lost hope in certain areas of your life. But God wants you to remember that he is the God of all hope and that he's literally the fountain of hope. And if we constantly look into that hope, Romans 15, 13, the Passion Translation said joy is going to spring up. Joy will spring up just because of hope, not because you see it, not because it was manifested before, before, before you'll believe it. And joy can spring up before. And then when it does show up and manifest, you think, whoo, I knew it. I knew it. Let's stand. Hallelujah. You're full of hope today because God's in you today. So be encouraged. Change your way of thinking. Change your way of thinking about if you're standing and something physically, health-wise, change about your financial situation, change. Don't wait to, you know, like me, I was 55 and I started thinking, hey, you know what? I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. There is something even better than living paycheck to paycheck. You know, we say God is the God of abundance. In reality, living paycheck to paycheck is not an abundance. It's not an abundance to live. I'm thankful for that, but that's not an abundance. Abundance is, hey, if I don't get paid next week, no problem. No problem. I mean, no, there's freedom in that. There is true freedom in knowing that I really don't have to go to work this week if I don't want to. Oh, I got to go to work. I won't get paid. That's true. I'm not talking about you retired people. <laughs> but aren't you thankful being retired? You can make it. The majority of people who are 
living in retirement, they can't hardly even, oh, you want to make a trip to Grand Canyon? No, I can't afford that. I don't know about you, but that's really not living. I believe God wants you to go on a trip. I think next, I think this summer, I think I want to go to Europe, just take a Europe vacation. Most people retire can't do that because, you know, first words out of their mouth. Well, I can't afford that. I don't know about you, but that's not my father. He wants you to live life just like David. I would have lost all hope if I would not have believed to see the goodness of God in the land of Pueblo, Colorado. You believe God can do something magnificently good in Pueblo, Colorado? You're going to come to church one day, and everybody who's sick, you're going to see that they're going to be all healed. You're going to come to church one day and see lives in shambles, and they're going to be totally restored. I believe that. I believe that there's going to be the supernatural power of God, not released from heaven, but the supernatural power of God released from within us. God's waiting on you, me, us. He's waiting on us. So you can quit screaming to heaven, Lord, pour out your power. He said, I've already done that 2,000 years ago. You're a little bit late. Amen? But let's believe it. Let's have hope for it. Let's have hope that every person in your life is going to be 100% healed, on fire for God, and just living the glorious life, showing how good God can be. Let's believe that. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the God of all hope, Lord, that people would just open up their eyes, that we may see the hope that is within us. May the hope of God be stirred within each person that heard this message. May hope be stirred. And an an abundance of hope, a fountain literally springing up inside of them and that hope just literally pouring out of them and splashing on everybody they come in contact with. The God of all hope is walking down the street. The God of all hope is going to Walmart. The God of all hope is going to the grocery store. The God of all hope springing up on the inside of Pueblo, Colorado. Thank you, Lord. For your hope that is within us. In Jesus' name. Amen.